Hello and welcome to the Dobcast. I'm Erica Stacey. In this episode, I'm speaking with a woman whose name is synonymous with digital marketing in Adelaide, Rubina Carlson. These days, Rubina is digital marketing executive at C-Link Group. And in today's conversation, we're taking a walk down memory lane, discussing how she first got started in digital and social media marketing, what it was like working as a freelancer, before moving into agency land and now working client side. Rubina shares her experiences and the pros and cons of each phase of her career to date, along with valuable advice and tips for people wanting to start working in digital and social media marketing. Rubina also tells us what she's learning at the moment and her one tip for business owners and marketers to help them be prepared to do their best online. I'm here today with Rubina Carlson. Welcome. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is, I feel like I've gone back to my radio days. <laughs> yes, because you do have radio experience. Yeah. We talked about that years ago, yeah. so you probably know how to use all this stuff better than me. Yeah, well, you know, I did do a bit of editing in my time, yeah. Um, so Rubina is the Digital Marketing Executive at C-Link Travel Group and has been for a few years now. About four, almost four. Almost four years. Uh, But we're going to take in today's episode a little bit of a step back down memory lane Mm -hmm. because Rubina's had a really fascinating career and something which I think a lot of people will be able to relate to having worked on the freelance side of social media marketing and digital then moving into agency side and now working client side as well. So a lot of our listeners work in all of those different areas as well as a lot of small business owners as well who can possibly relate to some of the freelance experience as well so normally I would say tell us how you got here today but that's pretty much what we're going to be talking about it is so firstly you are a very early adopter yes 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 I have been in the digital space for at least 10 years now and how did you first get into it Funny story. It actually goes back to radio, if you'll believe that or not. Um, so traditional. Traditional. So I was um, a producer, presenter, interviewer, jack of all trades, because that's what you do in community broadcasting. And I was given the opportunity, basically the end of year 12, so um, you can imagine how far back we're talking now, to go and do like a community broadcasting certificate too. So I went and, and did that. And then I was uh, volunteering at 5 EBI, 103.1 FM. Keeping Your Culture Alive, the um, ethnic community broadcaster here in Adelaide, South Australia, where I was uh, running a Tongan youth program. So it was about four of us in the team. We'd take in turns. Um, we'd have special guests occasionally, but not often, but mostly we'd just kind of banter and play, you know, Tongan music, more of the modern stuff and less of the uh, traditional Tongan uh, sort of, you know, it's kind of like the kind of music you expect to hear at a luau. That's the sort of music. You Rubina's know. actually doing actions at the moment. Yeah, I was so doing some hula. It's a shame you can't see the hula actions I'm doing. We'll have to get a video of that later on. Over that time, um, I also went to uni and I was studying Bachelor of Media at the time after Year 12 and still was doing this community radio. And then I thought, and this is probably going back to like 2006, 2007 around then, this is really early as well when we're talking about digital because I think Facebook came out in Australia in, what, 2006? Yeah, about then. So in 2006, 2007, uh, somewhere around there, I signed up to be part of Express Media, which is basically the SA Writers' Equivalent, Writers' Centre equivalent for Melbourne, was running a review arts review workshop here in Adelaide for... So I went along to this thing because I thought, you know what... I really do need to build my writing skills because while I have academic writing skills, anyone who's been to uni and then gone out into the workforce, you've realised very quickly how redundant those skills are typically. So it's a very different style of writing. And so I thought, okay, well, I need to go and get experience because at that point I was like, well, I don't have experience. Like I was looking at jobs and applying, like even like PR firms and things like that, I was like, I just don't have any any experience of any kind, so I need to get some. Anyway, so I went into this, um, it was just like a half-day workshop and we talked about the arts and, um, you know, reviewing and the role of reviewing and then actually doing a bit of work there. And then through Fringe Benefits at the time, which is now Trev, I'm pretty sure, Fringe Benefits basically they sent us off to like 10 or 12 shows and we started just, you know, writing reviews about these shows. And then I was like, oh, this um, media wicket's pretty good. You get free tickets and you just have to turn around and review within 24 hours. So I continued doing that and I was on uh, still doing EBI at the time as well. But that's kind of my first foray into the digital space because I was 
writing arts reviews and that's where they were being published. They were being published on a, on a website. Following on from that, I had opportunities to, you know, write. I wrote for Glam a couple times in those early days. Yeah. And I also wrote for um, Christophe magazine, which I think is still kind of around in the format of a blog. I was actually an associate editor there for a few months. Oh, wow. I did not see that on your LinkedIn profile. <laughs> no, that's something I think that's kind of hidden down the bottom somewhere. You have to keep going, scroll more, scroll more. <laughs> so, yeah, so in those roles I was, um, you know, running teams of like 10 sort of third year, last like final year graduates kind of thing who can communications sending them out to shows. We also had some photographers who went out and took photos. And really it was those days at Christoph and I was like, okay, you know, we uh, need to look at ways to get this publication out because no one knows what this is yeah. <laughs> and even when I'd say it to people they'd be like what are you talking about <laughs> you had the content so I had yeah. the content I just didn't have you know the mechanism <laughs> but then looking at it, it was like okay well we've got this this thing called Facebook so this is uh, early 2010 now it's like okay well we can use that to promote links to our articles links to our blogs and links to at the time it was a pdf that was kind of enveloped in like a Flash, uh, shall I that word now? Um, but back in the day, Flash was cool, people. Okay, before Apple said yeah. no. Pre-iPhone. Pre-iPhone. This is exactly the time, right? Pre-iPhone? Yes. Crazy, but true. This is essentially around the time of iPhone actually coming in. So smartphone yeah. starting penetration. So this is the... Okay, well, when you put it like that, I really am an early adopter. Right, okay. So when you just put those map it against those kind of um, milestones, I never thought to do that, but I will do it one day for a blog post. So, yeah, so we had a look at using that and we found it was a really great way because that was back in the days when Facebook wasn't really that sophisticated at that point. So it wasn't like you had to pay to play at that no. point. Um, and you just share something and people would just... It would just be seen by people regardless of engagement. But we did find that it really helped us in terms of getting traffic to our website. And so we did see a great increase. Um, And we used that in conjunction with Twitter at the time um, because Twitter was kind of still up and coming at that point. And I think that's the thing Mm -hmm. to remember in hindsight that these platforms used to be, that they've changed over time and that's the thing you have to kind of keep up with the changes, you know. So while one thing used to work one way before, this is a pre-Instagram era that we're talking about. So even like, you know, the amount of visuals versus the amount of text, text was still heavier than visual at this point on Facebook. People were still writing in the third person on Facebook because it said, you know, you kind of were trying to figure out how do I use this? Like, yeah, I, do, you I, guys get, do you get that in your, like, when you get a, um, a thing saying like 10 years ago today or eight years ago today, it's like, wow, I really did use Facebook quite differently back then because I would talk about myself in the third person. Because it used to say, because I look at my memories yeah. every day yeah, because I've got this huge backlog now mm. and it used to say Erica is or yes. your name is. Exactly. So it was really, and I think, as opposed um, to in the early days of Twitter, it was like, what are you doing right now? Yes. It was that, you know, supposed yeah. to be very instant. Yeah. But, but that's, it's, it's just kind of, I guess, indicative of how the platforms change mm. and also how much the platform molds your, the way that you write, the mm. way that you post things, the way that you share things. Anyway, moving on from that, <laughs> we digress. <laughs> We're still at 2010. Yeah. We've got, We've got many, like, years to get many years to get through now. But 2010, uh, sort of moving on from there, we sort of moved on from Christoph, did a couple of other things, and then uh, decided to start freelancing in the space because it seemed like no one else was really in the space. Yeah, like Michelle Prack uh, certainly was. Um, Shout out to Pracky. Pracky, yes, hello. Hope you're listening today because you have been certainly uh, an, a mentor of mine and an inspiration to me, particularly in those early days and, and even now. So, you know, it was, I guess in that time, it was, it was a really, really different space. The other thing too, um, I uh, was approached by TAFE in 2011 to mm. write the first social media course here for South Australia. So we had a, a two-day course it looked very different to the course that is now taught, um, but essentially it was literally like you'd ask the room, how many how many of you have Facebook accounts? And you might get two out of ten, and I'm not even joking, wow. uh, if you're lucky. Most people who were there, um, you know, we had, um, being that it was TAFE, it appealed to small business owners, um, people who are professionals in marketing, comms, uh, people who are just starting out their marketing comms degree. So, you know, like their comms uh, sort of um, careers, I should say. But it was just really interesting the amount of pushback that you would get in those early days. You know, my manager told me I had to be here and I don't believe in this. 
<laughs> so it was really interesting time to be teaching in that space too in 2011. But there were some people who were obviously interested because I know you you yeah. helped develop social media strategies and this is, yeah. yeah. Well, this is kind of the thing. Not many people were doing it no. because actually not many people were doing it yeah. back in 2010, yeah. 2011 well, and you were it. getting a lot of local businesses up and running yeah. with how they could actually use and embrace Absolutely. social media Absolutely. to Absolutely. get their messages out. Absolutely. Um, and because it was, you know, and I think one of the one of the interesting things at the time was, and quite often the question would be, but why would people do that? Why would my customer write a review? Why would they go on TripAdvisor? Why would they go on Yelp? Why would they... Why would they bother to share this with their friends? And it, the, the motivations for the customer to do that, they found it, you know, it just seemed odd to them. Like, why would they? And um, this is the stuff that we kind of take for granted now and a lot of businesses exactly. rely on reviews. Yeah. And, you know, we know all the stats about 92% of people, you know, take their peer recommendations over any other form of advertising or anything like that. You know, peer recommendations are by far the most influential thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people leaving you a review on Facebook, TripAdvisor, um, your Google business page. On the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> on the podcast. Actually, someone should leave a review on this podcast. Um, you know, that sort of thing. It really does make a massive difference um, to businesses. So in those early days, it really wasn't necessarily so much about, particularly in terms of strategy, it wasn't so much about social media being where well, you need to be present and you need to do crazy creative and you need to do all this stuff. It was more about enabling the customers to actually find you, enabling the customer to actually uh, interact with you, to leave reviews, to ask questions, or are you open at this time? Like, you know, it's all things that we kind of just take for granted now, but but back then it was quite different. It's also back in the time when Facebook wasn't as um, complicated as it is now. In, you know, people would have to have Foursquare or Goala or something like that in order to check in somewhere. Yeah, like you I forgot about Goala. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we're really going back down memory lane. <laughs> you know, um, you know, on you couldn't really with uh, Twitter, you couldn't post a picture natively, so you would have to use something like TwitPic or yeah, um, Moxie or something like that. So you, you couldn't upload things, you know, to Twitter itself apart from the text. Facebook, you know, obviously had photo capability quite early on, and certainly your uh, the ability to update your status with unlimited or seemingly unlimited characters, like 50,000 characters or something ridiculous. Pages were still very simple, though, to me, even with what you said about opening hours. Mm. I mean, these days we can choose this complex craft across all the platforms, what your opening hours on what particular days and different places and special holidays. If there's a public holiday, you can set the public holidays to have different different opening hours to your standard opening hours on a Monday to Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So... Things like that didn't you didn't no, have that back then. It was really manual. But you know, in those early days, it was definitely about encouraging people to adopt social media. Whether it was adopt us uh, like encouraging a business to claim their Yelp, you know, business page or to claim their TripAdvisor page. The number of times in a TAFE workshop where we had an activity where literally it was Google your business name. Literally, and if you haven't done that lately, you should because it's always a great exercise. Because um, I still see a lot of unclaimed pages. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, you know, there were people, you know, I had, um, there were a couple of girls, I think I'm pretty sure they were from a food land. They looked up their, their specific store and they couldn't believe that there were all these unofficial pages that had already been created on like Yelp, word of mouth on, on the web and all those kind of review sites that had been sitting there and they had no idea and people were like saying how awesome the service was and they were really happy obviously because they were getting positive views That's and positive nice feedback. And it's it is always fear nice. of people still with getting online it is. Activity. as a tip for something to do if you haven't done it for a while just google the business name. If you yourself are you know looking to um for a new job or anything like that google your own name just double check what comes up because people do google you and your business so you probably want to check that out and like we've been talking about we do have this big history now as well Mm. so there's a lot of content and even something like googling yourself yeah there's potentially something content from 10 15 years ago that maybe you forgot about that wasn't quite so flattering and maybe you want to you know ask someone else to take it down if it's on a third-party website or whatever um but moving back towards my journey as we digress um so 
was freelancing in the space for a few years and then in 2013 decided to leave the lumpy income behind and um, accepted a job with a creative agency called Nucleus. I started out there actually in account management. So for me, I saw that as an opportunity to learn, I guess, we'll get some more hands-on learning because I had in the meantime, gone back to uni and done marketing as well simultaneously. So having qualifications in media and marketing now, which is really where I've ended up because essentially I started with the content creation side and sort of moved into the marketing side by default, really, through this passion for digital and social media. And so accepted this account manager role and essentially gave me the opportunity to get hands-on learning for how to work on traditional campaigns, for want of a better term, TV, print ads, how, how it all works, you know, when you have to submit an ad to the advertiser, you know, the fact that if the artwork's not right, you get a big fat red cross and you have to resubmit, <laughs> things like that, um, which, you know, if you're kind of really building your skills in the digital space, you really don't get the opportunity to sort of learn that. That gave me a really good opportunity there. And then luckily for me, I was given the opportunity to uh, progress in digital there. So I, when I left, I was head of digital there. And so I was running all of our digital projects, um, which included like website developments, digital marketing audits, social media audits, social media strategy, digital marketing strategy, all that kind of stuff all thrown in together, working with some really cool clients. So would, they, would that have given you an opportunity to work with bigger clients? It did, yeah. Um, and like you say, across that omni-channel? Yes, omni-channel approach, definitely. So although sometimes when you're working with a big brand, like I did have the opportunity to work on Farmers Union, Ice Coffee, which I feel was, you know, that's, that's a personal sense of South Australian pride right there. Working on a brand as big as that, as part of an organisation as big as Lime, certainly was challenging because we were essentially hired to do one component yes. and not the sort of full thing because they had they worked with about three or four different agencies depending on what project they were running so we did find that um you know sometimes when you work with a brand at that scale it was tricky but certainly you know i got the opportunity to work with darenberg for a little bit as well we worked with mclaren Bell beer company which is now just mv beer but yeah had an opportunity to work with those sort of slightly larger businesses at that point and then obviously being able to work across both looking at some of their traditional activities as well as digital and I think that that's one area that perhaps might is sometimes overlooked when we look at digital is digital, while it is an accessible format, particularly for small businesses, it's an accessible medium in terms of um, ability for, you know, cost, well, the cost barrier is fairly low for a start. Mm. The learning, yeah, you need to do a little bit of learning or you might need to engage a professional like Erica, for example, um, you do have that side of things. But ultimately, I think an area that sometimes is missed is the crossover. Mm. Um, so this kind of goes back to the the idea of, okay, when you walk into a hotel, you know, having just the little card on the reservation desk that says, don't forget, leave us a review on TripAdvisor, things like that just to remind people, oh, yeah, you are on TripAdvisor or, you know, in, your, in a cafe, hashtag awesome cafe, let's call it that. Haynes & Co. actually is a good example. They've got their little hashtag and they've got their Twitter, uh, not Twitter, sorry, their Facebook and their Instagram icons and all that sort of thing and the actual username on the bottom of their drinks menus at Haynes & Co. in Lee Street, uh, not Lee Street, sorry, Gilbert Place. That's the place where it is. Better go find them because they serve some excellent drinks. Shout out to the Admiral uh, there. Um, but, yeah, again, it's about looking at those little opportunities for cross crossing over you know in the context of doing a press ad you might think okay well actually there's no space for a facebook icon fair enough because it's pretty high premium for that but you know you wouldn't necessarily want people to go to facebook if you're taking out a print ad for example you want people to go to the website yes but again you've still got that correlation of okay well i'm not just going to send them to the home page i'll send them to the landing page that actually has information about whatever the special offer is that you're promoting, for example. So, you know, I think sometimes that's an area that we don't always focus on, but it should be part of the whole the whole strategy, not just, okay, well, yes, we're predominantly doing our activities in the digital sphere. We may not be doing print, TV, outdoor or whatever because it's just budgets are just not big enough to do those. However, you know, you do have your storefront potentially. You know, you may have a warehouse, you may have 
um, a bricks and mortar location in which and case, maybe packaging or like you say even simple marketing collateral exactly so the other day there's like some Japanese beauty product that's basically making itself for Instagram you know how when you take a photo for yes, Instagram well. it inverts the text on the thing and you look at it and go oh I should have taken the photo with my camera and then uploaded it into Instagram so what this company's done is they actually print their labels mirror image so that when you do an Instagram selfie with the product it's actually facing the correct way I think it's it's a bit next level in terms of investment um because if obviously they my guess is that they get a lot of online sales because if I saw something mirror image in a shop I don't think I'd buy it I'd be like is that like a knockoff <laughs> it's like knockoff product um probably also shows they know their target audience really well mm, and that that is a big channel for them with definitely like you say getting the promotion online mm. and the fact that a lot of people would like you say yeah. probably go to buy the product online after seeing mm. that type of picture again this kind of comes back to knowing your audience and as i'm sure we've said many times on this podcast get a strategy put your strategy in place know your audience and figure out the best way to get to them and then and across all those channels as well so i think I mean, I know as much as I love digital and I know you love digital as well I do. It's, I we, we, it's part of marketing mm. and yes it is a big part of marketing and you know still considered to be quite new in some areas mm. but it doesn't mean we need to completely throw out everything else yeah. so as much as yeah I do specialize in that digital marketing space mm. as do you I think it, yeah. when we can get past yes past it in a way yeah. and just think of let's just talk about marketing and these are some channels that yeah. have to be on this area and how can we we cross them over i guess the thing with digital though is because the channels are infinitely more complicated i think that's why it ends up kind of becoming a thing even in and of itself mm-hmm. um like you know like you bring up your local newspaper and say okay can you send me your rate card and your media kit thanks great and they send through the media kit that tells you that they have a circulation of x thousand and they've got you know this net percentage of female readers and in this age demo and they're likely to be earning this household income etc 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 that kind of is usually is as far as it goes and sure there's some processes around creativity branding and graphic design absolutely and those areas are just as just as important but when it comes to digital, it's like, okay, well, how long is a piece of string? Like, it just goes on and on and on. You can, you know, I've been in meetings here at work. So, you know, fast forwarding now through to my C-Link days, I can't believe I'm coming up to year four already. <laughs> it's crazy. But essentially, you know, we'll sit in meetings and if you go into Google Analytics, you really can get lost in there. Because yeah. you just kind of keep on going, ah, oh, what about this? Oh, can we check this? Can we check that? What do, where do our New South Wales customers come from? What cities? Or, you know, looking at, you know, well, what products are the most sold online? Okay, well, how do people get to the website who bought those products? Where do they come from? Okay, right, well, the areas that aren't performing well, we need to go and address those. The ones that are performing well, we need to perhaps invest more budget or more time towards those um, particular channels, whether it's organic search or search engine marketing or social media or it could be email marketing. So many different areas. (laughs) You make a good point because even Mm. from that reporting perspective, Mm. the platforms are more complex and the ways you can use them are more complex Mm. because I see questions in Facebook groups all the time and people Mm. asking what might seem a simple question like how can I use Instagram to market my business? Yes. But then you'll be, well, what kind of business do you have? Because there are so many different features within all of these platforms now Mm. and using something like tagging products in Instagram now. Yeah. That's something that is not relevant to all businesses. No. And but for those that it's pertinent to is really valuable. Exactly. But not everybody needs to know that. And we were talking about stories earlier mm. and while I think Instagram stories are great, not everybody's comfortable doing them and it's not always a great fit. I still think, I think it just stories are pretty great. But. I think it just depends though. Like, I mean, for us, um, you know, from a, from a C-Link perspective, um, Instagram stories are really good when we've got influencers who go out and they're sharing their content via stories. gives us a very immediate, quick way of sharing this is what they're doing right now. And the blog post will come one, two, three weeks later as a recap of the whole experience, which is equally valuable to us. But, you know, that immediacy that stories provide can be mm. really good. However, if you're working for like a plumber, do we really want to be seeing <laughs> things 
you really want to be seeing, oh, here's my workplace today. And, you know, it's like a you know, sewage incident or something, you know, or a septic tank going funny or like, you know, we don't, we don't really need to see that. Having said that, I think if a plumber did actually go through and do that, the cut through would be insane because it yes. really would literally be direct contrast to what particularly Instagram is full of, which is just the, the perfect beauty, the perfect beach shot, you know, the perfect, you know, big hats and long maxis and, like, you know, flowing hair. And You guys all know what I'm talking about. If you yes. spend any time on Instagram, you know exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. But you just sort of, you know, I think sometimes that is both a positive and a negative for the platform, you know, the sameness, I think, um, sometimes. Personally, for me, like, I look at Instagram, like, once a day for work but for home, for my personal use and my personal people, like friends that I follow and that sort of thing, I don't know. I feel like particularly since they've changed the algorithm and, again, yes. this is coming back into changes, the fact that they introduced one at all into the newsfeed for Instagram uh, and making it more and more akin to Facebook, which means it's going to be more and more profitable, which means that the shareholder is going to be super happy because that's what it comes down to at the end of the day for Facebook. You know, the shareholders are the, the actual customer, not you. So, you know, that's the other thing to keep in mind, I think, with any of these changes and, and bits and pieces. So, But with Instagram, you know, when you just have like a feed of what I last, my, the people I follow and the last thing I saw is much, much better. We kind of have digressed all the way around. Yes. So let's talk about, I don't want to say jumping ship, but from, <laughs> from, from going agency side to client yes. side. That's a big change because often people in our space are, agency or they are client yes you tend to kind of pick one camp yeah or might be some changes early on yeah but usually someone's pretty pretty set so tell us about that oh yes so agency life for me I was late 20s when I finished up an agency so I think agency lifestyle is something that people don't really tell you about I don't think until you get into it you don't really know there's a cold culture around agency lifestyle and certainly um, if you've ever watched Mad Men you know obviously that's based on the sort of the 60s 70s version of the ad world but you know certainly some of those characteristics and traits I think carry through Friday night drinks like you know like I, I don't mind drinks on a Friday I quite enjoy them but you know where you kind of feel compelled to stay then clients come around and you know it sort of becomes it's quite all-encompassing really I found so that's been my experience with agency mm-hmm. I, I'd, I've yet to meet someone who hasn't um, had that kind of experience working in an agency where you get into work at say might be 8, 8.30 in the morning, sometimes earlier, sometimes later, depending on the day. But then you might not leave until, you know, 5 or 6 at night. Um, and even when you get home, you haven't really switched off. I found that I just never switched off because mm. um, you're always thinking about, oh, actually, there's a client project that's due in the week, tomorrow or whatever, and just kind of never really switching off. And I think that that also kind of comes down to the fact that for my first year at Nucleus, I was also finishing off my marketing studies full-time as well. So I kind of was never really off, if that makes sense. I was either studying or living, breathing, you know, my career at that point as well. So it really, for me, um, that was one of the biggest factors for me is that, that that lifestyle decision really is what I came down to was about, okay, well, I'd actually like to be able to leave at 5 o'clock and, and not think about work for at least one evening a week. <laughs> and probably not feel bad about it as and, well. And not feel guilty. sometimes I know, speaking yeah. to other people who have worked in agency and some yeah. people who have left because I think there's a lot of it that, like you say, it was in, in your 20s and same for me. I think I was like got into early 30s when mm. I was still in, still in agency mm. and it is a bit more conducive lifestyle mm. to younger people pre-family. That's a big generalisation. It is a massive generalisation. Some but people I... are better suited to it yeah. and can continue it through. Yeah. But I know I got to a point where I was like, I don't want to be hanging around for Friday night drinks because I've been here all week. Yeah. I've put in my, and I wasn't even doing stupid, but I was still like, I've oh, done yeah. my 50. <laughs> I've, done, I've done 50 hours this week. I can pay to 40, but I'd like to do it here. Yeah. So I'm going to go home and actually, you know, drink with my partner and my friends now. Exactly. Not, not relax. Relax, you know. Um, and I think that that's the thing about agency is that for me it really is a lifestyle choice. And some people... They live it, they breathe it, mm. and they do it for their entire career. Yes. And I applaud them because far out, man, you've got, you know, you've got what it takes to yeah. work agency. Pressure and deadlines can be quite intense when you work agency if you've got 
some clients who are demanding, I guess, because that's that's what you're there for. You are a service agency, so you are there to provide a service. So I did find that realistically, ultimately, it was the work-life balance thing that came in into it for me, where it was a case of, okay, well, look, I feel like I've accomplished a bit here. I've learned, particularly learning about traditional for me was a big win for me, being able to be exposed to how we do how we do a photo shoot, how we how you do these things. I mean, you read about it when you're studying, but you don't actually do it. So for me, that was kind of the turning point. And then I started looking for opportunities, client side, um, and this role came up with C-Link for a digital marketing role. Uh, and so I applied and here I am. And here I am still four years later. I guess one of the benefits of working somewhere like here is that I still get a bit of that agency feel because I do work on six brands. Just a quick recap on C-Link. We're actually celebrating our 30th anniversary Aww. in 2019. So happy, happy 30th birthday, C-Link. Um, you, you're all grown up now. Coming of age. I know. Uh, they started off with like one ferry. Uh, now there's 70 in the fleet oh, around, wow. around Australia. We operate in 17 different destinations, including Kangaroo Island, of course. If you haven't been, please do go to sealink.com.au and book your ferry now. That's the only plug I do, I promise. Uh, and then also uh, we do operate the Murray Princess on the Murray River as well, so the beautiful paddleship. Um, we also have uh, a number of touring products on in South Australia as well as Kangaroo Island. Um, but some of the other areas where we are, you know, Captain Cook's cruises on the Sydney Harbour, we do own and operate all of those vessels out there. We also own and operate ferry services to North Stradbroke Island in Queensland, Magnetic Island in Queensland, and the beautiful, stunning Fraser Island that you would have seen uh, when Harry and Meghan went and visited last year. Mm. So we also own the two resorts on that island as well as um, a couple of touring products there too. So that's on my list to use my allowance, I think, at some point. Um, we also have uh, ferry services that operate out of Darwin to Mandora, Groot Island and Tiwi Islands as well. Uh, and we do quite a bit of work with the um, local Indigenous um, communities there too. Oh, fantastic. And then also a ferry service to Rottnest Island from Fremantle and uh, river cruising up and down the Swan River in Perth. And I don't know how I forgot Bruni, but beloved Bruni, uh, we just started up a ferry service running from Tasmania mainland to Bruni Island last year. Things are wow. moving along. So, yeah, so there's lots of different brands. I work on the six South Australian brands, but um, being part of a national organisation, obviously there's always opportunity to collaborate with um, our marketing teammates interstate. So, yeah, it's good. Was that part of the appeal for this particular role, moving, like knowing that you had moved from freelancing and agency, working across multiple brands, to moving into I think it definitely was a factor certainly it was something that I, I would I wanted to be able to work for um, a company where I still had that challenge of working with multiple brands simultaneously because I I kind of I liked that about agency. Um, I just really enjoy my work-life balance that I have now working for a publicly listed company you know at five o'clock everybody is out the door um, you know so you know and you when you come back to work the next day you're refreshed because you haven't been thinking about work all night it's okay to leave at five o'clock it's okay to leave at five you know like there isn't any guilt associated with that whereas I think um for me particularly towards the end of my agency days I did feel that that guilt okay, that if I wanted to leave at five it was like yeah but I probably should stay and do x or y or whatever so so that was definitely part of it but also the workplace culture here is really 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 fantastic really supportive good teams and so yeah so i've been very fortunate to to come into this to this team here and, and work with them yeah my manager is really nice she's the best shout out to her as well shout out to jab <laughs> i feel like sometimes when you work agency it becomes your world almost and you know you still have your friends outside of agency but then they don't really get you sometimes no people outside of agency don't get it do they no like if you try and like say you, you know like you catch up with friends on a friday night and you're having a whinge about work because you know things are just a bit it's been a bit hectic that week or whatever it's a different level of hectic agency hectic is like you know 20 times what you would define in a corporate mm. environment as hectic and I think that in some respects working agency first, and this is for all you young grads out there, working if you can get a job in agency first, I think it does help you a lot because you're forced to sort of really learn to work to tight deadlines, 
deal with a reasonable amount of stress is not the right word it's more about pressure I think like you know you've got clients have these expectations you have to meet them you know you work as a team and you're kind of in it it's almost like being in the trenches almost mm. to some degree if you then move out from that into a small business or client side you'll kind of feel like oh okay well, this is actually quite pleasant, you know. <laughs> Whereas, you know, I think people who haven't worked in agency before, they don't really have a true understanding or appreciation for the absence of that high pressure environment, mm. I guess, you know, like don't get me wrong, like we, we do have KPIs we have to meet. But having said that, it's nothing compared to a client demand. And you, know? you are, like you said earlier, being paid as a service provider. So mm. I think there's a lot of benefits. Mm from getting that grounding and agency in regards to structure. So yes. things like billable hours and really having to be mindful of your time mm-hmm. and juggling uh, client milestones as they might relate to billing milestones yes. that actually affect the ability of the agency to continue functioning yes. and paying people and, like I say, juggling mm. multiple clients yeah. as well. That being said, probably, you know, Establishing some boundaries is a thing. If you can really manage it, it. You can but it's manage hard. It. But it is it's hard. It's not a very. It's not something that I think you're taught going in. But like no. you say, coming out is probably easy to see because I have seen a lot of people who have gone client side into agency, and generally they don't last. No, I feel like agency, even if you don't stay in as a lifer in the agency space. It's a really, if you have the opportunity to work agency, do it because I think it does just give you that extra level of, you know, resilience, I think, in the workplace just generally because you're like, yep, I can do this. Yep, we've got this. Yep, we're a team. And I think one of the main things about, you know, working in agency, so long as you're as part of a team, you're all there to get through it together. I think that's the main thing. To me, that's one of the big things about agency really is that, you know, like you're committed once you're in and then when you're ready you know if you feel like okay this isn't quite right for me long term well then that's fine too because you'll walk out with like an amazing skill set if you work in potentially some big brands under your belt that too or just fun brands or just fun brands yeah exactly or you might find that you've got you know if you work in a smaller agency so you know in something like nucleus where i think at the when i was there the peak we had 15 of us in the team between creative accounts and directors and so on The 15 of us, because it was still relatively small, you do a lot of things that weren't actually in your job. You know, like we had interns come in, we had work experience students come in, so I was running those programs for them, even though I'd never done anything like it before (laughs) because I'd worked with unis to understand what it was I was meant to do. So that was a learning experience for me, which was great because when I got here to Sealink and discovered we didn't have an internship program and I had way too much work to to really do in a reasonable time frame I thought you know what this is a really great opportunity for us to set up an internship program and we have had one now for the last four years where we partner with UniSA um, and offer a position to a Bachelor of Communication and Media student to come and work with us for that three-month period of semester they've worked on website projects they've worked on blog posts like blog content just general content marketing social media all that sort of stuff and one of the perks, obviously, is that they get to travel on one yes. of our products that they're actually working on. So if I want to be an intern here. <laughs> so uh, if you're working on, say, Kangaroo Adventure Tours, for example, you will actually go on the tour because, well, we can't really tell you. You need to experience it yourself. <laughs> and looping back, that's mm. a really great opportunity that exists now and exists with a lot of organisations because, like you said, when you had just come out of uni mm. and you were trying to get experience mm. to get in with some of these uh, agents or oh, anywhere get, really to, yeah, yeah. To, to get a role and you were going out and finding these opportunities for yourself, mm. which obviously still yeah, people valid. still need to apply for these internships, but we do have a lot more opportunities available now, whether it's internships yeah. within agencies or within large organisations yeah. to work on digital and across a lot of it. And I do think that that's something that we are seeing more and more of. Internship programs, I think, if you rewind the clock to that sort of time frame, which is like early 2000s, mid-2000s, late 2000s, it wasn't doesn't seem to have been as structured back then. Like even if you did have internship as an opportunity within your degree, Quite often I would hear people going, oh, my God, I have to go get the sword myself. The uni didn't really provide much support in that area. I think there's been a real shift with the universities, particularly, you know, we've worked with the Uni of Adelaide as well and the School of Professions there have got like a whole career team of which there is an industry placement team within that team. Wow. The industry placement team, their sole job is to facilitate internships 
our work experience. That's what they're there for. So, you know, they were really excited when we said, oh, hey, we need a student, can you send one? <laughs> or a few, a short list. I think that that's the kind of thing to, to keep in mind because I think a lot of that we've had some really great success with our internship positions. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to retain them and keep them on, but they have all moved on to paid positions elsewhere based on the experience that they've gained with us in that two to three month period. So for anyone who's currently finishing off their studies and you've got the internship available to you, take it up if you can, apply. Even if you think your GPA is not awesome, still apply. Seriously, because I do think sometimes your sort of work ethic counts a bit more than necessarily your GPA. Well, ask a quick question about kind of tech and trends Mm -hmm. and tools. Yes. Because there would be very different, and obviously we're talking across kind of a 10-year period Mm -hmm. with you here, but there's differences with how you work as a freelancer to as an agency Mm -hmm. to as Internal. Uh, within, a, uh, within a client. Internally client as well. Mm. It's a very big question, so I'm hoping you're kind of picking up where I'm going. Yeah. But have you noticed any kind of benefits to any of those types of lifestyles when it comes to being able to really mm. make use of certain digital tools or trends or be able to work more quickly? Yeah. Working as a freelancer is like the ultimate inflexibility because your time is 100% your own and you choose to do with it what you will, for better or worse, I would say. (laughs) But it is entirely on you. You report to you. That's it. Um, And sure, you've got clients and, yes, you make promises and, yes, you deliver on your deadlines, um, but ultimately you're you're the one who's decided, yes, I will accept that client, yes, I will meet that deadline and yes I will make that a priority so for me in my freelancing days I did find I had a lot more time for research and just trying new things you know like just experimenting and playing with things and I do strongly recommend that you do that that you know if you're relatively new to the digital space or you kind of I've got Facebook but I don't really have anything else go and play on the other platforms whether it is Twitter or Instagram or you know, make a conscious effort for a week to Mm. do it. Because I think for me that was actually really helpful because understanding how people use the platform and how they they actually communicate with each other then gives you a better insight into, okay, well, how do I actually reach that person? Okay, well, this person doesn't really like Facebook, they just use Messenger. Okay, cool, well, I should be doing Messenger ads then. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it's, this is great for, for yeah. small businesses as well, not mm. just freelancers, mm. but there are a lot of small businesses who are still trying to figure out how they can best use yeah social and digital and that's one of the things that we recommend a lot is just like go and have a look try make use of the personal accounts you have Mm. to do a bit of that that testing Mm. first of all exactly Um, because you can actually when you are reporting to yourself yeah if that is you know in a small business as well you Mm. can go do I want to try this yes try it did it work no yes no why not try it differently if you posted something that didn't kind of work you can delete it you can it's, yeah, it's, not, it's not quite as permanent as uh, Google would lead you, to, lead you to believe. Then you've got, you know, when you move agency side, your time is the agency's time. Yes. Billable hours, etc., and timesheets. Ah, oh, timesheets <laughs> were the bane of my existence. I couldn't, I, I hated doing them. But, yeah, absolute requirement, um, particularly in that kind of business because that's what they're billing, your time. It's a service as a service provider, no different to a legal firm, accounting firm, anywhere like that where it's 100% professional services. I found that I had a little less time because you're trying to focus on clients and so I found that my playtime, if you like, or research time would be more directed by, well, actually I need to find out more about this thing because it could be an opportunity for this client. So it was more like directed research. So it's more like thinking about it if you're looking at it in academic context. When you're freelancing, it's just undirected. You just do, oh, that looks that looks shiny. Let's try that. <laughs> Moving back to client side, I think there's a little bit more flexibility to play, but not in work hours outside of work. Yeah. So that comes back into, you know, obviously I'm passionate about digital, love social media, love, love, love social media, but it is not actually, you know, something that I can sit there for like half a day at work and read up on, you know, new trends or new articles. I'm more likely to do that on the way home or on the way to, to work, like on public transport 
or you know just at night while Netflixing also just checking through Mashable, TechCrunch, B&T that sort of thing. Again now that I'm back we're looking at client side anyway you I guess it's it's mostly undirected because for me it's like oh well, what's new you know mm-hmm. what else is happening and certainly some of the um, applications of chatbots that we've seen particularly through Messenger have been quite impressive in recent times so that's been something especially in the tourism space we've been looking at so I kind of look at it and go okay well that's cool they've done that but how would that help us achieve our business objectives and I guess that's the thing that even though you look at all these case studies or you read up on different things uh, that people are doing or new tools ultimately you need to while you get familiar with them figure out whether it's actually a good fit for the business strategy or not um, or the marketing strategy depending on what level you're looking at at the end of the day, we'd like more people to go to Kangaroo Island and to all of our other destinations around Australia on all of our products. That's what we'd like. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, that's the the, the the ultimate goal for us is around is, is around those sort of sales metrics. So anything that we do has to be part of getting the getting our customers through the booking process through that travel journey to the point where they book and then experience with us. Everything we do has to be in that sphere. So if I find something cool and random like a new peach, I don't know what it would be because I haven't seen anything new pop up. And if anyone's got the skinny on a new platform, let me know. (laughs) Just tweet me, at Rabina Carlson. That'd be great. But, you know, if there's a new platform that comes out, you're like, yeah, cool, great. Even Snapchat is an interesting one. It's not new anymore. There's like over 4 million, 6 million users in Australia, something crazy. Like it's Eclipse, Twitter, in terms of number of users. But again, from a business standpoint, it's kind of like, well, yeah, we could keep on populating other stories and keep on putting information in. Um, you know, we've found, you know, for us that necessarily isn't necessarily the best use of our time. Putting up a Snapchat filter during the Sterling Kangaroo Island Racing Carnival, which was recently held on the island where we're the naming rights sponsor, Great idea. It was used, uh, uh, you know, we had like thousands of views of our geofilter that we'd put in place for the event. So I think it's about, you know, looking at it going, okay, well, it's not necessarily about being on the platform. It's more about looking at what's going to be best for us. And in that case, it wasn't so much about sales. It was reinforcing the message that we are the naming rights sponsor. It's just about looking at those different opportunities the platforms provide and um, seeing if they actually work in with what you're trying to achieve. If they don't, then perhaps it was just a really good opportunity to try something different and then just keep it in mind for future in case it does become relevant. Thank you very much for your time today. That's okay. A couple more quick questions sure. to wrap up with. Sure. Though you have given us so much already. Who or what inspires and motivates you? Well, uh, I did mention Pracky before, but, yeah, she certainly uh, was one of my early mentors and early inspirations, I guess, in the space at the time. And certainly, uh, I've got to say, Social Media Club, uh, right from the beginning, which is going all the way back to those 2010 yes. days. That, for me, is a, always a good point of inspiration. Mm. Also, the Australian Community Managers Group, uh, Facebook group as well, I find to be quite inspiring from time to time because, you know, people have done different things and they just talk about it. It helps, I think, to, to see what other people are doing in the space and what they've managed to do with the tools. Even like groups like Freelance Jungle and Freelance Creatives of Adelaide, while I'm not in the freelance space anymore, I do find that it just because there's just a different perspective. The biggest inspiration, I think, is just other people and what they're doing and, and what they've been up to. And and certainly, you know, like it's great looking at the international big brands as well to see what they do, Coca-Cola or Skittles or Pepsi or Audi or um, any of those big brands where you look at it and go, okay, I'm never going to have a budget that big <laughs> because I live in Adelaide and I love Adelaide and I wouldn't leave Adelaide for anything. However, it does give you an idea of what, the capacity of the platforms are and how you really can push, you know, your creativity to sort of make the most of it. We'll link to those groups in the show notes as well because they are some mm-hmm. great examples. And you said earlier one of the challenges, which I definitely feel as well, is we have much more limited time to play mm-hmm. and find things these days. So to have those communities where people are openly sharing great examples and great experiences Mm -hmm. and also having that safe space to ask those questions when you want to go, has anybody seen a good example of this? Has anybody, can anyone help me with this? Because Mm -hmm. there is so much going on and to to have to do all of that research yourself Mm -hmm. is just very challenging. Very challenging. And also very, and I think it's, it's, not so much challenging in that you can't do it. It's, as you say, it's the time factor, given that I've sort of progressed on and now being a mum is part of my life now as well. That certainly takes some time too. 
and so does my work and so does like partner time and friends time and family time and you know you don't have quite as much time as you used to when you're in your 20s and you're freelancing or working agency where you know yeah 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 life so much time back in those days I'm like what did I do with it so if you're in your 20s make the most of it (laughs) (laughs) so talking of time and not having much of it With the time that you do have, are you learning anything new at the moment? It's all about learning. Learning anything new. Um, I have to say I really um, am learning. What am I learning? Is it bad that like, I'm just learning from Will at the moment, my son? Oh, he's... But isn't that awesome? Because I, I know how old he is at the moment yeah. and it's very exciting time. Yeah. I feel like there's this relearning yes. that goes on because they ask so so many questions but the questions are like wow yeah i take that for granted now yeah. but you're at this age where you're trying to figure out everything is a sense of wonder for him it's like cause and effect yeah and like we go you know like if we go to the shops it's wow everything is wow i'm like it's just the shop mate and then i'm always learning as far as um, the digital marketing space goes i don't really ever stop reading so while you know you you do learn and you know a lot um i don't ever think that you ever know everything because the space just changes too fast for anyone to say that they they know everything you know you're always learning about new opportunities whether it's through new technology or new tools or new platforms or changes to existing platforms yeah you've always got that opportunity and finally if there's one skill or area that you would encourage others to develop to be prepared to do their best online Mm -hmm. what would it be i think it's understanding your customer i think that's what um the the big thing is so if you're lucky enough to work in a small business where you are at the coalface every day talk to your customers Talk to them about their, their day. Talk to them about what they're, you know, what they're using your product for or why they've come to see you or, um, you know, if they come back, try to remember them and, you know, oh, it's the last time you, you know, what do you need this time? If you're lucky enough to be working in a small to medium-sized business where you do actually have customer contact, make the most of it because um, I do think that that's an area, you know, learning from your customers is a, is a big area, I think, you know, because they, they're the ones who are buying your product. So, if you can even find one tiny thing that might make their life easier, like, you know, uh, the product I always buy is always on a shelf too high for me to reach. Move it down one shelf. Like, it's a tiny thing that you could do in, like, a little convenience store or something, but yeah. you might find that all of a sudden that product sells 30 times more because all of a sudden everybody can see it and they can reach it. It could be something as simple as that. So if people want to find out more about you or get in touch, where are the best places? LinkedIn, I think, is uh, definitely my preferred spot. Twitter, I have to say that I am very sporadic on there. If I'm at a conference, you'll know because it'll be tweet, <laughs> tweet, 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 tweet. But certainly LinkedIn is the best place to find me. So, yeah, I'm sure you'll pop the link in the, in the, with the notes for the show. Yeah, um, we but, yes, feel free to connect and actually say hello when yes. you connect on LinkedIn. Don't just connect and not say anything. Yeah. Ideally send a message so that, you know, hey, I heard you on the podcast. Thank you so much, Rubina. No worries. Thanks, Erica. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Dobcast. I hope you feel inspired and prepared to do your best online. If you'd like to learn more about us and see our other content and resources, you can visit thedobcast.com or scoutdigitaltraining.com.au.